So there's this version of myself that I sometimes daydream about. He has a deep sense of inner peace. He can hold conversations without darting his eyes back and forth, fearing on what he's missing out on. And this version of myself can pray without tightly clenching his jaws or curling his toes while a wave of anxiety about life hits me. He takes deeper breaths. He's more present. His mind at the end of the day isn't preoccupied with dings, rings, and notifications. Yeah, I often daydream about being more deeply human, like Jesus. This podcast is designed around one simple idea, theological depth and emotional intelligence. They aren't at odds with one another. They are perfectly compatible. So let's bring them together and go deep into doctrine and experience breathing room for our hearts to contemplate. Today's guided meditation is about Psalm 102 and the dreadful human experience of loneliness during the coronavirus pandemic. Find somewhere comfortable to sit, have a pen and a journal open, and your Bible ready. I'm Chloe, and I'm here with... Cole, and I'm the lead pastor of a young gospel-centered Reformed church in Des Moines. But more than that, more important than that, I love Jesus and I like to pray. So let's begin our meditation with, with a question. How are you holding up in all of this? (laughs) Life during the coronavirus epidemic is bizarre, I think. My own life as a pastor has taken sort of an odd spiral. Just a few weeks ago, my days were full of sharing coffee with people and having conversations about how to follow Jesus. And now, I work mostly from a computer screen and my relationship with my friends and church members now happens mostly through the electric current of the internet. Man, I can already... I can already feel the emotional and spiritual toll of all of this just a few weeks in. And it's not just me. I think the whole world can feel the emotional toll of this already. Nationwide, text messaging has seen a 21% increase in just the last few weeks. Tinder and other online dating apps saw similar increases throughout the world. And pornography usage has gone up 13%. So... If you haven't had time to collect your thoughts and declutter your heart and expose some of these thoughts and these anxieties and these fears before the Lord, this is the moment. This moment is the very moment to bring these things before the Lord and just process them with Him. So, that question again, how are you doing? So the first 11 verses of Psalm 102 are some of the saddest, loneliest sentences I've ever read in literature, let alone in the Bible. If you have a copy of the scriptures open, here are the first 11 verses. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke. And my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. 
Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I am like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. Can you picture that? I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. For I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink because of your indignation and anger. For you have taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Man. Guys, this is ancient literature. So of course the psalmist wasn't locked up inside his home during the coronavirus pandemic, but... But when you hear his descriptions of his loneliness, it resonates deeply with this very moment. He refers to himself as feeling like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. Do you feel that way cooped up in your house right now? National Geographic published an article filled with photos of lonely residents in Italy gazing out of their windows after the coronavirus pandemic shut Italy down. And when you look at these photos, man, they appear exhausted dark circles are forming underneath their eyes and as they stare out of their window at the photographer it's just not hard to see the psalmist in the expression of all of those faces in Italy when I read Psalm 102 when I pray Psalm 102 I can see those dark circles underneath the psalmist's eyes now scholars are somewhat scatterbrained about the original authorship of Psalm 102 but whoever whoever it is whoever wrote this One fact about the text looks back at us while we think about it. His lot, his experience, is a lot deeper and darker shade of loneliness than will ever fall to us. I mean, we feel lonely right now, but this dude feels like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. I mean, who in the world wrote this psalm? And what's it doing in your Bible? And does it comfort you in this moment of prayer? Does it comfort you to know that such desperate loneliness is right there in a prayer in the scriptures? In fact, it makes you wonder, what am I doing withholding all of these negative emotions from God? Why am I holding back in the presence of God? So right now, this very moment is the time to unload some of those with the Lord. Elizabeth Elliot once wrote, Loneliness is a wilderness, but through receiving it as a gift, accepting it from the hand of God and offering it back to Him with thanksgiving, it may become a pathway to holiness, to glory, and to God Himself. No humane person would ever wish for coronavirus quarantine. It's ugly. It's a blight upon God's good creation, and we want it gone. And yet, the loneliness of this moment is doing something in us. As we go about our normal, everyday life, we sometimes zip from task to task 
to online shopping to meal to meal and this pace and cadence of life means that we never have to face the interior landscape of our souls. We never have to look inside our inner lives and think, yuck, why am I feeling that? The coronavirus pandemic means that we no longer ask the question, am I feeling lonely? That question has already been answered. It's forcing us to ask the question, why do I feel lonely? Which is a different question than what are the circumstances or the events surrounding my loneliness? The question, why am I lonely, is occupied with your heart. And since you're engaged in prayer right now, feel the freedom to ask God that question. Why am I lonely? Listen. So most of Psalm 102 is a meditation about the psalmist's sadness and his loneliness. He likens himself to an owl of the waste places, a lonely sparrow on the housetop. And as his heart continues to unspool itself towards God, it melts into a puddle of sad descriptions. His days pass away like smoke. His heart is struck down. He can't sleep. He doesn't eat. Apparently, the psalmist feels the freedom, just the the total and utter ridiculous freedom to bring all of his negative emotions in the gaze of God. Apparently, this this psalmist, when I pray this this psalm, I feel like I'm, I'm reading the prayer of somebody that's been through stuff with God before. He's been through stuff with God before, and he trusts God. He trusts God enough to unload all of his feelings without any fear of being abandoned by God. This is an astonishingly deep relationship, astonishingly. In fact, something tells me that if you walked into the author of Psalm 102's study room, there would have been some holes in the wall, you know? I don't think it would have been one of those Pinterest study rooms that is perfectly curated with the exact right cluster of photos and posters and the exact right proportions in order that makes it look like it's never been used before. I doubt that that's what the psalmist's prayer closet looks like. The author of Psalm 102 seems like somebody who punched a few holes in the wall and duked it out with God and wrestled with God and experienced loneliness but wasn't okay with his loneliness but felt the freedom to experience the loneliness but wasn't okay with the loneliness. Just li- li- listen. Pray this with him. Verse 2. Don't, don't hide your face from me in the day of my distress, God. Verse 6. I'm an owl. I'm like an owl of the wilderness. God, don't you see me? Verse 7, I can't go to bed. I I, I stay up all night. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the roof. God, where are you? You pray this. You feel this prayer go through your teeth, roll off your tongue, and you just wonder, who on earth is this lonely, lonely man who wrote Psalm 102? Was it King David? Was it written by an Israelite prophet during Babylonian captivity? Whoever it is, take a step in the direction 
of an authentic, genuine relationship with God where you bring all the fullness of your emotions underneath his gaze. You don't get to decide whether or not you'll experience loneliness. That decision has already been made by the sheer fact of your existence. Listen to this poem by Shel Silverstein. Said the little boy, sometimes I drop my spoon. Said the old man, I do that too. The little boy whispered, I wet my pants. I do that too, laughed the little old man said the little boy. I often cry. The old man nodded. So do I. But worst of all, said the boy, it seems grown-ups don't pay attention to me. And he felt the warmth of a wrinkled old hand. I know what you mean, said the little old man. I think that last line is lovely. I know what you mean. Those are five of the most powerful words that you can hear when you feel lonely. And when you read Psalm 102, it's as if he looks at us in our loneliness and says those five words, I know what you mean. What do you imagine is God's response to your loneliness? Do you suppose that he minimizes it and tells you to just suck it up? Do you suppose that he coaches you to find more creative ways to connect with people digitally? Or suppose that the eternal God of the universe looks upon you in your loneliness and says, I know what you mean. So I know that we're praying right now, but but I guess I guess I wonder if that question of authorship and who wrote Psalm 102, I'm curious if that's been haunting you ever since we've been kicking around this psalm in our hearts. Who who wrote this psalm? I mean, to be honest, we don't know exactly whose finger was on that pen, but there's this strange moment in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament when Psalm 102 from the Old Testament is quoted. And what makes it strange is that the author of Hebrews reveals the true identity of the author of Psalm 102. What he does is he quotes the Greek translation of Psalm 102, verses 25 to 28, and he prefaces the, quota- he prefaces the quotation with an odd phrase. He says, Of the Son, God says. Wait. Wait, wait a second. Did you catch that? Let me rephrase it so that you have a light bulb moment. Hebrews prefaces a quotation with the phrase, of the Son, God says, and then he quotes Psalm 102. 
So if you're still not tracking with us, the author of Hebrews says, of Jesus, God says Psalm 102. So here's why this matters. Here's why this is important to your prayer right now. Apparently, in the imagination of the New Testament, the lonely man in Psalm 102 is Jesus. No, we don't know who historically wrote Psalm 102, but we know who truly wrote Psalm 102, Jesus. This matters deeply because this matters that Jesus is the lonely man in Psalm 102. Jesus is the lonely sparrow on the rooftop. And so you need to know as you pray and confess your loneliness to God, you need to know that Jesus experienced loneliness like you. And more than that, he experienced loneliness for you. (laughs) Wow. Let's explore two lies about loneliness that you tend to believe. The first lie, good Christians don't get lonely. When you read Psalm 102 as a psalm about Jesus, the plain truth is that no matter how severe our loneliness might be, it can never surpass the loneliness of Christ crucified. Without this knowledge, when we experience loneliness, we involuntarily, almost reflexively, run to a list of I should be statements. I should be more charming, then I wouldn't be so lonely. I should be smarter or funnier or holier, then I wouldn't be so lonely. I should be more fill in the blank, then I wouldn't be so lonely. These lines are precious and dear to the enemy. It is not difficult to imagine demons rehearsing them, as if chanting an unholy liturgy. It is not hard to envision the enemy storing these little statements in his dilapidated heart in order to rehearse them over us in seasons of loneliness. This is why loneliness so often feels like shame, and this lie lends itself nicely to the next. But if even Jesus experienced loneliness, then you know that I should be blank, then I wouldn't be so lonely, had to be a lie. That's the first lie. Here's the second lie. This lie says, good Christians believe that their feelings don't matter. Problem with that is your emotional life makes up most of who God has designed and hardwired you to be. Your conscious life that processes things intellectually, it's important, but it's only the tip of the iceberg of who you are. And honestly, That might even be an overstatement. Your intellectual life is more like a small snowflake on top of the tip of the iceberg. Because in every moment of your life, there's maybe one or two thoughts occurring in your brain, but there's like one or two trillion affections bouncing around in your heart. So to believe that your feelings don't matter is to believe that most of you doesn't matter. Or another way of phrasing that, to believe that your feelings don't matter is to believe that the image of God doesn't matter because you're in the image of God and God created you to be that way. I mean, did you know, for instance, that the captain of the Titanic avoided contact with the tip of the iceberg? Did you know that? As it was cruising through an oceanic minefield of ice, it actually appeared that the ship had evaded the iceberg. The problem is that most of the iceberg, around 90 to 95% of it, is hidden under the depths. So take note. What was underneath the surface is what sunk the Titanic. 
And so it is with you. What's underneath your surface is also the biggest threat to sinking you. The things underneath the surface, like the emotions that we don't bring into prayer, or the emotions that we refuse to process with the Lord, the emotions that we we tell ourselves aren't important and then we sweep them underneath the rug. But once we once we sweep those things underneath the rug, once we store them underneath the surface, that's exactly where feelings like loneliness are allowed to plot, smile, giggle, grow, and eventually wreak havoc on us, where it darkly just, blo- it just blossoms into bitterness in the darkness, right? After, after it sucks all of the nutrients out of your subconscious life, One day in church or small group or with your family, the loneliness within you sees somebody else shaking hands or somebody else enjoying their friendship or sharing stories and laughing and what happens in your heart. Man, your heart, rather than ascending to them in joy and joining them, stomps its feet in bitterness, all because you refuse to process it. That's how you waste your loneliness. So you can't pretend it doesn't exist. You need to process these things with Christ. So as a follower of Jesus, the essential question for you over the next four to 12 weeks, or however long this pandemic lasts, the essential question for you is, how will you use your loneliness? Will you waste it? Or will you leverage it to experience a profound deepening with your relationship with God? That's the question. So that Shel Silverstein poem that we thought about earlier in our prayer, what if we saw it in light of Jesus? And what if we saw it in light of Psalm 102? Said the little Christian, it seems like people don't like me. Said the lonely man, we make a good team, don't we? And the little Christian whispered, I sometimes feel all alone. Oh, I've been there, said the man from his throne. Said the little Christian, I often cry. But the lonely man nodded. Yeah, so do I. But worst of all, said the Christian, it seems like people don't pay attention to me. And he felt the warmth of a nail-scarred hand. I know what you mean, said the crucified man. So what will you do with your loneliness? Will it drive you away from Christ? Or will it pull you in tightly to your Messiah, especially the heightened experience of loneliness over the next four to eight weeks. What if you tried during the season, whenever you experience loneliness, what if you tried as objectively as possible by the steadying power of the Spirit to simply look at it? To look at your loneliness like you would look at a map. 
to honestly just observe all the ways that you have unsuccessfully tried to fill that hole in your life. Just honestly examine, just examine the futility of trying to cope with your loneliness by reading another online article or another Netflix episode. Because if you can honestly assess these attempts you make at coping with your loneliness, then you can notice how even the best efforts are like throwing a water balloon into a water well hundreds of feet deep and experiencing the well to be filled. Can you see that image? Can you see how foolish it is to believe it? And so after just looking at your loneliness objectively, what if you simply offered it to God? You probably have very little problem offering your gifts to God and your strengths to God and the things that you like about yourself to God. But what if your loneliness is something that God wants to receive from you too? What if you held it up underneath the loving gaze of God and just confessed, God, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to feel about this. I've tried throwing everything into this well, texting, browsing, reading, drinking. The well's empty still though. And I don't know what you'll do with my loneliness, God. I don't know if you'll take it away from me or simply join me in it, but I trust you with it. What if you did that? Because that is what your loneliness is designed for. And that's what you're going to do with your loneliness. You're not going to be afraid of it. You're not going to run from it. You're not going to hide from it. You're not going to sweep it underneath the rug. You're not going to pretend that it doesn't matter. You're not going to be a slave to it. You will look at it in the face and you will offer it up to your God without fear. That's worship. And here's what I think you'll discover when you do that. When you offer your loneliness to God through prayer, he might not take it away. He might not even alleviate it. He might not even diminish the loneliness, but he will always, always join you in your loneliness. He knows. Jesus of Nazareth endured a quarantine of divine proportions. It wasn't mandated by the government. It was mandated by God himself. On the cross, he was quarantined from his disciples. He was quarantined from his mother. Worse, he was quarantined from God his Father, alone, in the dark. He wasn't quarantined to his home. He was quarantined to hell. There's no telling what we would have lost as Christians if Matthew had failed to record Jesus' words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Meditate. On this good news, if you really believe that Jesus Christ is the Jesus of Nazareth, then you can become aware in your loneliness that Christ knows you. And even more, you can become aware of Christ's loving gaze looking upon you and his voice whispering to you, I've been there. So you might be a lonely sparrow, but you're not alone on the housetop. Christ is present with you. He is here. There is nothing greater that you can do in these last moments than become aware of this reality. So, before you say amen, let God make you more deeply human, like Jesus. Jesus.